Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Weird World Podcast. This is Carrie. I'm... Okay, Carrie has the hiccups, and this has to end. Yeah, you're going to have really loud, too. I'm Dean, and I guess I just be the only one who speaks. Yeah. No. I can probably speak without hiccuping. Let's hope. So far, so good. Yeah, well, kind of. Well, what are you going to talk about, Dean? Is this going to be a happy one? Um, it's going to be a two-parter. I know can you I said just sidetrack it, it that way? No. Okay. Well, no, then. Not really. I've already forgotten what the topic is. Well, that's okay. I know. I'll tell you right now. Okay. No, I won't. Let me, let's just let it live <laughs> for a minute. You'll figure it out here pretty quickly. Um, in fact, almost immediately, but anyway. I mean, it probably said on the title, so when they clicked on it, they probably know. That's a very true they story. They know more than I do. And they also know that this is going to be a two-parter. Yes. Here's part one. So they're making a commitment, you're saying, if they're listening right now? I don't feel like I was <laughs> playing that at all, but yes. Part one of the two-part episodes on cattle mutilations. I know that doesn't oh. sound... Trust me, there's a lot of strangeness involved with cat emulations. It's not just finding cows. That are, it was a whole wave. It's still going on. It's gone on recently. So let's start. We all know aliens are fond of kidnapping humans. Well, no. Uh, are we stipulating that? Uh, there's no question. There's okay. been thousands upon thousands upon thousands of alien abductions of human beings over the last many decades now. Mm. They do this. They they take some people out of their, usually their bedrooms, and they flood them up to the craft. <laughs> they do some terrible things to them in many cases. And then they wipe their memories and send them on home. These wiped memories always seem, though, to come flooding back in spotless detail under hypnosis, which is apparently a method that the advanced race of these interstellar travelers could not counter, possibly because it's fake. But one of the early UFO flaps that included human-alien contact was in the latter part of the 19th century. So we're going to start in 1897. Don't worry, we're going to quickly come to more modern times. But in that year, actually really from 1896, late 1896 and the early 1897, there's what's called the Phantom Airship Incident or the Mystery Airship Event. Uh, it's an episode that we have to do eventually. It was okay. a, it's a very famous story that happened, in, in again, in the late 19th century. But... Turns out the aliens, the apparent aliens of that period, even though that wasn't really the people didn't think of them as aliens quite yet. We now do, in hindsight, think that these were this was a UFO event. But at the time, they uh, there wasn't just interaction with aliens and humans. There was also interaction with aliens and cows, oh. or at least one very special cow. Oh, okay. According to a small Kansas newspaper called the Yates Center Farmers Advocate. Okay. I doubt still around. <laughs> a what we now call a UFO came calling to the ranch of Alexander Hamilton. The Alexander Hamilton. Not the uh, this is a, okay. this is over 100 years later. He had been dead well not quite 100 years later. This is 1897. Is he a, a direct descendant? I doubt it. Okay. April 19th, 1897. There in Kansas by the way for those of you is basically kind of in the middle of the United States. Sure. Prairie land, farmland, ranch land. Hamilton, his son and one of his ranch workers looked up into the sky and they saw a cigar-shaped craft hovering near the ranch house. Now, this is before we had 
you know, manned flight. At least we still, we had balloons by this time, but this whole air, the air mystery flap that I mentioned a minute ago, mm-hmm. the ships tended to be cigar and they were clearly powered. They were always, they were op- never described as balloons, as manned balloons, which we did have by this time late in 97, but these were not, these were clearly not that. And again, in hindsight, UFO enthusiasts have gone back and said, okay, this was clearly what we, uh, right. an alien UFO incident or, or events that we can now identify that as such. So this is one of those events. This is this is a little bit later than the initial events of that, but this is the a, a similar cigar-shaped craft is hovering over their ranch in 1897, April in Kansas. They noticed that the craft actually was hovering a little bit off of the house and over a corral where they kept some of their cattle. So they would go a little closer and they pair up into the sky. By the way, there's never, in other reports I read, they don't indicate what time of day it was, so I don't know. Okay. But apparently it's, it must be daytime. Yeah. So they look up and they see that, that not only is it over the corral, but there's like a carriage or something beneath the vessel, maybe a little bit like a blimp carriage perhaps. That's interesting. Yeah. And then inside of that carriage, Hamilton said he saw, quote, six of the strangest beings I have ever saw, end quote. Not oh. I ever did see. No. In fact, six of the strangest beings I ever saw. I don't want to make him sound. <laughs> I think I made him sound dumber than he was there for a second. So their attention that was quickly drawn to something on the fence of around the corral. It was wailing and it was struggling and it was seemingly stuck in the fence. It was a heifer. It's a cow. Oh. So there's a cow. They see this craft hovering over the corral. In the fence of the corral is a stuck cow, apparently, struggling to get free. And they notice that around the neck of the heifer is a rope or a wire, and it goes up into the air, and they follow it to its end point, and it goes into the carriage of the cigar-shaped, what we now call UFO hovering this craft that's above the corral. Interesting. Very interesting. The man rushed to the rescue, but Wait, this is the farmer and his son? Farmer, his son, and a ranch hand. Okay. They're all three seeing it. They rush over to the corral. Okay. And they are trying to, I guess, get the cow loose, get at least get the wire loose. Quote, we tried to get it off, but could not, Alexander Hamilton said. So we cut the wire loose yeah. to see the ship Heifer and all rise slowly, disappearing in the northwest. So I, I'm not, you know, they must have got some point, or maybe they, they didn't cut it loose in time. Yeah. It's a little confusing. Yeah. That's a quote, so, and that quote's confusing to me, too, if it's confusing to you. I'm confused. Yeah, it is. But the end result is clear. They had lassoed successfully a cow in the corral, and they brought it up into the ship, and they soared away. Flew away. To huh. the northwest. Aliens had just abducted Alexander Hamilton's cow. What did I just say there, Carrie? Uh, you mean Alexander Hamilton? <laughs> no, I think it's more like Alexander oh. Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> so um, thanks a lot for not pointing that out. And also, by the way, thanks a lot for not pointing out every time I say calculations and I turn that two words into one word. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, there are several times during this. Yeah. Episode where people might think you've been drinking. Okay, back to the show. <laughs> but that was not the end of Betsy's story. I'm giving her a name now. I think her name might be Betsy the cow. It's a oh, natural the cow. cow name. Okay, let's call her Betsy. Or actually, kind of, I guess what was was the end of her story because Hamilton was out patrolling the ranch 
the next day, and he's kind of half looking for his his cow napped heifer. Yeah, he got word from a neighbor that there had been a tragedy. The neighbor had found Betsy's body on his land. Uh oh. So Alexander Hamilton rushed over to his neighbor's ranch and found that Betsy had been butchered. Details are not clear. Again, the report I saw, there's, there's not much detail on exactly what that butchering entailed, but she was dead, and there's just something off about it. As Hamilton said, quote, his neighbor was greatly mystified in not being able to find any tracks in the soft ground. Remember that. The, the implications were kind of obvious. So the implications should be yeah. that there was, you know, that, that they had dropped it from the sky. This craft had dropped it from the sky. Right. So Betsy had apparently been uh, captured, maybe experimented upon because she was dead and butchered by someone or some thing mm-hmm. in that cigar-shaped craft and dropped ba- back down nearby when the visitors had done whatever they intended to do. So as was typical of these airship stories, by the way, it was said that a good dozen very prominent and very respectable local men signed a sworn affidavit. And a lot of these, these stories, especially in this period, there's always a sworn affidavit. Yeah. And they're always very respectable. People had signed it. In this case, they signed an affidavit saying, hey, Hamilton is not, he's a sober, not rational guy. He tells the truth. He's never, his word has never been questioned ever. So if he says it happened, has two other people with him, something happened. Yeah. So the story got the, the attention of even the national news and even some international press covered it after it appeared in that little Kansas, I don't know, newspaper. I don't know what it was. Like a farmer's newspaper, I think. Yeah. The story though, like all the airship stories at this time, is a big, big, big event. These are these events, these airship, these phantom ship events was a big story, but they quickly faded away as did this story. But this story was rediscovered in the 1960s by some ufologists, some UFO researchers who were looking, consciously looking for possible accounts of early alien visitation. And this, along with the airship flap, was seen as one. And now it seems that the aliens never really stopped messing with our livestock because they're at it again even now. So ripped from today's, or almost today's, a little bit less today's, but very recent headlines. This this year, just a, a short time ago, we've started hearing about more of these cattle mutilation events. Can I ask a question? Yes. Is it always cattle? Modern times, yes. Historically, no. Okay. So, so are they at it again? Is it aliens like it appeared to be in 1897? Or maybe it's satanic cultists. Sure. You'll see why that's been supposed. Like, like it would have been in the 1980s. No. Oh. Is it a lone escaped psycho with the hatred for cattle? Or is it some hyper-secret black ops government kind of agents kind of thing riding around the black helicopters and maybe experimenting with new strains of disease or biochemical weapons? Or maybe it's things far smaller and far more insidious. We'll get to that eventually. Okay. Believe me. So early this year... Wait, you yes, didn't, you didn't mention mass hysteria. Or is it mass hysteria? <laughs> we'll throw that in too, okay. sure. Earlier this year... Uh, There's a rancher in Madison County, Texas, and he found one of his herd was, in his mind, mysteriously dead. He called in the sheriff, and the local sheriff's office took a look at the cow and is baffled. I mean, this this just happened a couple months ago. Uh The flesh along the side of the exposed part of the head of the cow, the mouth of the cow, was completely gone. It had been defleshed along its mouth, and there was no blood anywhere around the cow's body. Mm-hmm. 
In quick succession, five more cases were reported from Madison County again and also from Brazos and Robertson County. This is all in kind of a rural area between Houston and Dallas in Texas. Uh Two of the cows of these six were missing their genitalia and their anuses had been cored out in like a, almost like a circular cut. Oh. Like very, very finely and precisely. The sheriff's office described the, the cuts as very precise, made with the, quote, same precision as the cuts noted around the jawlines of each cow. So these cuts were just like like surgically precise, like huh. they're done by laser surgery. Were they looked at by a veterinarian? I'm sure they were. Weirdly, though, the grass around the six dead cows was not just bloodless, but it seemed entirely undisturbed. Like nothing had been around them. There was no struggle. There was no prints. There were no tracks. It was as if the beast had been dropped from the sky. Hmm. Just as odd, the sheriff said that no other animals had scavenged the carcasses, quote, leaving it to decay untouched for several weeks. This is the one in Madison County, I believe. Facebook naturally has been all over this and, you know, fomenting the usual fears as Facebook does. People have filled messages with talks of there's cults, just generally there's satanic cults specifically. There's talk of some kind of serial killer or killers for some reason. Maybe, I don't know, practicing. There's, of course, lots and lots and lots of suppositions about aliens. And there's even been some talk of a possibly chupacabras run amok. (laughs) So... That's, I mean, naturally, social media has a field day with this. One report that I read of this incident in Texas said it's almost like something from that 1990s TV show, The X-Files. Oh, Oh, wait, that's right. It is because there were two episodes, not one, but two episodes in the first season, as a matter of fact, (laughs) that had events involving countermutilations. Obviously, the reporter, like all reporters these days, especially those online, is probably 12 years old and only had heard about The X-Files because... His or her mom had a huge crush on David Duchovny when they were growing up. Or maybe his dad had a huge crush on Dana Scully. Dana Scully, as someone in this room did. Uh So that's the today's headline part of it. But really, this whole idea of catamutilations caught fire in the mid-1970s. So a big chunk of our story here in part one especially is going to take place in the 1970s when cattle mutilations became a major, major national story. In fact, though, we'll start with what you talked asked a minute ago. Over the years and across the globe, there's been an array of animals that have been found with like precise cuts or missing body parts, things like jaws, ears, eyes, tongues, genitals, lymph nodes, rectums, all the kind of the best parts that you make hot dogs from. Uh-huh. And the victims have not just been cows, as you asked. They've also been horses. There's been sheep. Even things like goats and pigs, rabbits, cats and dogs, bison, deer, and elk have been reported as seemingly mutilated, and just their, their death be, being mysterious and unnatural in some way. Okay. There's a report back from 1606 um, in England that was almost really more of wholesale slaughter than it was kind of these isolated animals found in, in ones and twos. An animal of the time in, in 1606 said that animals were found, quote, about the city of London and some of the shires adjoining, whole slaughters of sheep have been made in some places to number 100, in others less, where nothing is taken from the sheep but their tallow and some inward parts, the whole carcasses and fleece remaining still behind, unquote. Again, people did yeah. not know how to write in, the, in that era, except 
Shakespeare, well, apparently. That was how they wrote. Oh, that's, that's just hideous. But but still, yeah. like, tallow, I think, is fat, right? That, yeah, I think so. Okay. They're fat. So they're fat and they're inward parts. I'm not 100% sure what that yeah, I'm means. I'm not either. But still. Organs? Like. I guess so. So that, that's not going to tie in. The, the, the catamulations we're going to talk about here in the 1970s and, and later are much as we kind of got a hint of in the Texas yeah. case, are much more precise than that. But at this time, Londoners are baffled, quote, of this sundry conjectures, I think that were made. I think he's trying to say there, there's been lots of conjectures made, quote, right. but most agree that it tendeth towards some fireworks, end quote. No idea what that means. <laughs> I mean, why do they think, oh, fat and organs were taken out of these sheep? Must have been fireworks. No idea. Didn't even know they had fireworks in England in 1606. What do you think they, I think fireworks means the same thing? I'm honestly not sure what they mean by fireworks in 1606. Yeah. I don't know what else it could be. You want to look it up real quick? Yeah. What did fireworks mean in 1606 England? Okay. So yeah, as far back as the 1500s, it meant military explosives. Okay. But then... People started using them as just for fun. <laughs> That's fine, but but so in this case, at this time, undoubtedly he meant yeah. some kind of ordinance, some I kind guess of so. cannon or something like that. Uh-huh. So That'd be I don't my know. Guess. Who knows? Were they taking target practice at, at a herd of sheep? Maybe I don't know. But you think there'd be evidence of that? Yeah, there'd be think. burn marks. There, you know. know. This is 1606. Yeah, don't, who knows? Too much credit. <laughs> so closer in time. And in the same American region where academy relations would soon be all the rage, there was the case of Snippy the horse. Sometimes it, you'll read some online. It's, it's called Lady. The horse's name was actually Snippy. It's to Great one name. to one person who, who wrote about this, that was really important. He's very angry and adamant <laughs> about this. I'm going to believe that person and say this horse's name was Snippy. And Snippy's carcass was found mutilated in Alamosa, Colorado in September 1967. Snippy's head and neck were defleshed. There were precise cuts on its body, and there was no blood found on the ground around the horse. Snippy's owners also noted that there's kind of a whiff of something medicinal in the area when they found the horse. By the 1960s, by this time, UFOs had already become big business, and so this case was very quickly, in this case, someone suggested, okay, this is a UFO case. The aliens came and did this, given that there's no, you know, no tracks, no blood, the seeming precise cuts. So it it was kind of quickly given this sort of whiff of something extraterrestrial, not just medicinal. Yeah. Officials, though, found no evidence of anything other than a natural death. But the question was kind of now in the air, were aliens mutilating our animals? So they did 1967. Now we're going to fast forward to 1974. It's mid-August 1974. Ranchers in Nebraska started to report they had found some dead cattle out on their land. There may have been a couple of incidents before August 1974 isolated but it was it was in august when this really started to become a thing people started to take notice and people started to report this to officials to law enforcement officials and so this rancher reported that hey one of my cattle's dead and something's weird about it these were small-time ranchers by the way which is kind of important we'll find out in a bit these were the kind of ranchers that let their cattle just kind of roamed freely on whatever their holding was are very often some portion of public lands and graze don't think of the you know industrial controlled cattle 
right. who are slaughtered slaughtered in almost a machine like fashion. These are the cattle are out in the land. They don't, they might not see them for days and days and days at a time, or some portion of of their herd. Okay. So they started finding these dead cows out when they're you know put, again patrolling the area, and they started seeing some of their cows had been mutilated. Lips and cheeks were gone. Anuses were cored out. Genitalia were removed. There were seemingly very precise surgical cuts on parts of the body. Weirdly also, the bodies appeared to have no blood in them. And again, no blood around their body at all. Wait, so are you saying their blood had been drained? In some cases, the ranchers thought that the blood had, okay. was gone. Yes, okay. that, they, that they had been exsanguinated yeah. and that there was no blood around the areas. Like someone took the blood away with them, right. which is very weird. And if they had been attacked by some large predator, There'd there's no mess. signs of tracks yeah. or struggle, anything at all around them. And there, yeah, there'd be a bloody mass. And yeah. they wouldn't be so finely, surgically mutilated. Right. So who or what would do such a thing? At first, no one even had to guess. It was just, this is really weird what's happening to us. But as the summer turned to fall, the reports just kept piling up. And it soon it seemed almost every rancher in the region was a victim of something nefarious, killing and mutilating their cattle. So it became really a huge, huge thing. It eventually became a national political football. Early on in this event, so this is back in August now, there were two occurrences that made the mutilations seem even more mysterious. There was some UFO sightings early on in this series of events, for instance. There was also the sighting of some kind of a beast or monster being spotted in the area as well. So we'll take the, that latter one first. Okay. This creature was quickly called the thing. And there's some, there were some news stories from the time and from the area about this thing. It was a beast that was, quote, like a man animal, unquote. It appeared to walk on all fours, but could also stand up. And it was hairy and huge. And if anybody tried to approach it, it would vanish. So it was this very mysterious creature. Like vanish into thin air like, or run away? That's what I, that, it, the way I read it, yes. Okay. It seems like it vanished into thin air. Okay. All of these sightings were at night. And no witnesses really had any really close view of the creature. There were no tr actual physical tracks or really any physical evidence whatsoever of such a beast ever yeah. found. Yeah. Despite this, though, the sightings coincided with the mysterious cattle deaths. And it really kind of fired up the imaginations. Uh -huh. And also coinciding was the UFO sightings that I mentioned. Right. Now, you could argue that there's UFO sightings everywhere all the time. All the time. Yeah. But at this, they were so perfectly timed that it really fed this era, this era? <laughs> this <laughs> kind of veneer of mystery about these cattle mutilations. So the mutilations raged on through Nebraska, and then suddenly they started to migrate north into South Dakota. That Nebraska is kind of the upper Midwest of the U.S. South Dakota is a little closer to Canada, north of Nebraska. Actually, and when you look back at the data, and a researcher, oh gosh, I can't think of the name. It might be Michael Goldman. He was kind of an agricultural researcher at the time. He looked at newspaper accounts, and he found that there really were two very distinct phases to the seemingly singular event of these mutilations in Nebraska and South Dakota. There was actually a, a Nebraska phase and then a, a South Dakota phase. The first phase in Nebraska started in the middle of August and lasted right through the end of September. Only slightly overlapping it was, were the activities in South Dakota. They started in the middle of September, and they went all the way through August through about Halloween, and then Okay. rapidly stopped, stopped happening. 
the local newspapers were covering these things just minutely. Any report made it into the papers, and you can clearly see this shift. He, he like measures column inches, and he shows this shift. All Nebraska kind of coinciding with each other as South Dakota starts up and Nebraska wanes, and then all South Dakota, and then they go away. It's interesting. But the, the closeness of the two areas made the dispersion of the actual events seem like a single event. Okay. Throughout this period, law enforcement and other local authorities, even veterinarians, by the way, lent credence to non-natural explanations, let's call it. And those quickly started to spring up. So people quickly started to say, okay, something weird's happening. People, yeah. th- people threw out theor- theories as, as they will. Local newspapers also fed this perception like that this is not right. This is not natural. The mutilated cattle were portrayed as something abnormal, something unusual, even like, like, oh, it's just impossible human beings could have caused these things that were seen in the mutilated cattle. Okay. So, you know, by definition, something different is going right. on here, which, by the way, that, that, the, the non-human part doesn't jive with, no. with a lot of the theories, as we'll see in a minute, but it, it certainly jives with the dominant theory, what would now be called the dominant theory, but by the way, at the time, was not the dominant theory, which is alien experimentation. Right. At the very least, ordinary humans couldn't do this, so you started to have some non-ordinary humans posited as potential answers, though. So some of the early theories centered on the involvement of like organized cultists, satanic cults. There was talk of government agents as well. Some kind of super secret government agency was doing this. Why? Mm, we'll get to the why okay. in a little bit. If there was a why. Local radio and TV news also, by the way, it wasn't just newspapers. They covered this thing daily. Yeah. And they their reporting gave a lot of credence and a lot of room for supernatural, unnatural, and unexplainable explanations yeah some uh local newspaper headlines at the time included quote veterinarian says flying objects catamutilation may be related end quote that's, that okay. was the headline literally so some vet <laughs> said you know those ufos yeah something to do with that yeah because apparently in nebraska veterinarians are experts on aerial phenomena and actually even experts on catamutilation yeah. catamutilations which they for sure are not right here's another headline quote Mutilators psychotic, says Yankton mental unit officer, end quote. And, quote, doctor says cattle mutilations may switch to human victims, end oh quote. Oh, my gosh. Those okay. last two headlines were from a very specific guy. He was the head of male admissions at the South Dakota State Mental Hospital. Uh-huh. So a, a true official, yeah. an expert, a psychologist, well. he publicly warned that the mutilations were the work of some psychotic yeah, and that he or they, maybe a group of psychos, would graduate to killing humans next. So he publicly yeah. made that assertion. You know? You still don't do that. No. It's insanely irresponsible. But that makes more sense than aliens. I know. But still saying, that, nope. Yeah. It's, hey, they're starting on cows. They're coming for you next. Yeah. That part was really, now, even if you really think that, yeah. shut the hell up. Yeah, was sure. He even did some early profiling, what we'd now call profiling. He said he described the perpetrator and he said it's probably a young male from a farming background who hated authority. (laughs) (laughs) In Nebraska and South Dakota at the time, lots of possibilities there. More circumspect officials, you know, researchers, people like that, did very, very little to, if anything, to tamp down speculation. Generally speaking, the... The professionals, the the true experts, wouldn't say anything. They wouldn't make guesses. Right. 
they basically stood pat. They were waiting for more evidence. Right. They wanted more postmortems, wanted toxicology reports, wanted more specimens, more data before yeah. they could they would say, okay, we think it's this. So they wouldn't say anything, but this vacuum allowed paranoia to spread bread like a fungus. Yeah. So, I, I mean, they were doing the right thing. And by the way, you do see that sometimes in modern times where uh, the people who really are going to give you the best possible answers and have the most expertise in something are, are scientists. Right. And scientists are naturally don't want to go off kind of half-cocked. So they didn't in this case, and and uh, that left a vacuum. And the media yeah. was was very responsible in this and, and not just gave room, but really enhanced this idea that something non-natural was happening here. Yeah. Reports rolled in from late summer into the fall, and eventually there'd be 75 to 100 reports of cattle mutilations over this two and one half month period. Wow, that's yeah. a lot. Ranchers by this time were frenetic, they were terrified. Law enforcement officials were absolutely baffled and, and expressed, like, we don't know what's happening, something's happening, but something is happening, and we don't know what it is. And so they urged ranchers to organize patrols day and night and especially at night, and go out and patrol their land all night and every night. Yeah. By how, early, how about bring your cattle in? <laughs> well, again, they, they this is fairly, this isn't super rich. They had to, they needed a pretty large area to adequately feed yeah. their cattle because they, you know, they'd move on from area to area. Right. So you couldn't really, this, again, these weren't the ranches that were, had a confined space and brought in yeah. okay. store-bought <laughs> alfalfa and stuff. These were fairly small-time ranchers. Mm -hmm. Their cattle were pretty free-ranging and had to be. By 1975, early, early 75, ranchers throughout the West were up in arms, so the politicians took notice. Senator Floyd Haskell, he was from Colorado, where there had been some mutilations as well, in this, uh, in this time or by early 75, he demanded a federal investigation. Supposedly, there had been sightings of black helicopters, unmarked mystery helicopters roaming around during the period of these cattle mutilations. Uh -huh. And this fed the perception that, hey, something is going on. The government is behind it. Haskell, as part of that government, demanded that he get answers and yes. was, was told the truth. Nothing ever came of that. So the, silly. Yeah. And then not long after Haskell's demand, the frenzy broke. And in a surprisingly rational way, at least by today's standards, the South Dakota Crime Bureau did a very thorough report. They asked the experts. The experts did their test and came back to their reports. And they released that report and it detailed the causes of every dead cow that they had examined. And those oh. causes were entirely natural. I'm not going to tell you what those causes were now. That's going to be in part two. Okay. We'll get into it in depth. Cliffhanger. But they basically said, there's nothing here. It's natural. Naturally, the ranchers and lots of the media said, Baloney. bullshit. Yeah. Absolutely not. You're covering something up. But in this case, most people in Nebraska and South Dakota listened to these authorities, looked at this evidence, and said, huh. I guess it wasn't anything after all, and it quickly became a non-story. Wow. That is shocking. Yes. Uh, and to, by today's standards, that's absolutely not what would happen nope. at all. But in this case, they said, okay. They made the determination. It sounds pretty sound. Moving on. Yeah. And huh. they did. The turmoil ebbed almost immediately. Like I said, you see his, his column inches, and by the latter part, really after October, there was very, very limited coverage. So I, I don't know if that meant there were, there were fewer incidents. And then I don't know exactly when 
the exact date that South Dakota Crime Bureau released this report. Yeah. But they, they do at least roughly coincide. And, and the cattle mutilation frenzy of 1974 in Nebraska, South Dakota was, was a non-issue. So were there no more suspicious cattle deaths? There were no more reports of suspicious yeah. cattle mutilations. Let's, let's put it that way for now. Okay. How's that? Later in the 1970s, the phenomenon flared again. There was a rash of cattle mutilations in New Mexico and also, I believe, in Colorado. Now, this we're getting now a little bit more the southwest of the U.S., especially New Mexico, which borders old Mexico. Uh-huh. The mutilations were the same as before, though. You had your mouth precisely cut away. You had your anuses and genitalia gone. You had the no blood, the no tracks. Yeah, the same kind of scenario was happening in New Mexico in 1970, I believe 78 and into 79. Wait, I have a question. Yes. Back to the uh, okay. earlier ones. Uh-huh. So experts determined that the deaths were natural. Mm-hmm. Did they have an explanation for the supposedly unexplainable parts of those deaths? They the sh- anus and the... Yes, they did. Okay. They had an explanation for every part of this phenomenon. Okay. And well, again, we'll get to that. Okay. But so... So now these new ones, they're not going to refer back. No one ever does. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's just how it works. Hey, it's short memories. It's 2023. It's happening right now as we speak. Not one article I've read so far from the media covering the the very, very recent multiple instances has referred to the explanation of 1974 and 75. Not one. Huh. So short memories and really, really bad journalism. Okay. This time... In, in New Mexico, in some cases, there's also strange mineral and chemical results found in the bodies of the cow. One specimen, for instance, had not enough copper in its liver and too much zinc, potassium, and phosphorus. Okay. So like they're, whoever, whatever's do, being done to them is causing some kind of mineral imbalance. That or was the, maybe at least not. That's the, or, well, that, that yeah. was the... This certainly the assertion by by reporting it that way. Wait, was this did. universal? Of how many? No, it was not. Okay, that was in one cow, for instance. But I, I think there were a, a couple others that had some kind of a questionable, you know, yeah. tox screen in terms of its mineral content after the fact in the postmortems. The state of New Mexico launched an investigation of its own, and it was led by a state patrolman named Gabe Valdez. So think like I guess like when California is the highway patrol, it's like yeah. the state patrol, you know? Yes. And like a state police uh, law enforcement agency. Okay. The FBI, though, was also asked to investigate, and they did. So they hired an ex-FBI agent named Kenneth Rommel to go out to New Mexico and also Colorado and see what he could see. I think, I don't know this for a fact, but I think they wanted to keep a little bit of a hands-off approach. So they didn't have a current agent did it. They hired a recently retired, it wasn't that old, but a recently retired agent handle and head up that investigation. And so Kenneth Rommel goes out there and starts looking into it. That does seem weird. It's a little, it's not completely unusual. It's not unheard of. Rommel's report came out late 1979, and he would come to the same very prosaic conclusions that Nebraska and South Dakota had come to a few years earlier. But Gabe Valdez, who was the state patrolman, who was was leading the state patrol's separate investigation, was having none of that. Great. He attacked Rommel's report loudly and on many, many grounds. 
Valdez said he had investigated a lot of those same cases, individual cases that Rommel had investigated, and he claimed that Rommel would never even go out there. He'd sit in his car on the highway and have underlings go out there and take a look at the cows, and he wouldn't even go out there and inspect them in person. From what I can tell, that's absolutely not true. Yeah. There's report, Rommel describes, unless Rommel just lying throughout his report, he, he describes his impressions of the scenes he is witnessing and taking side of. So, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how Valdez would think he knows that either. If I had to guess, I think what Valdez is saying is not true. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not 100% certain on that, though. Valdez would also mention dismissively that Rama was a bank robbery investigator when he had been with the FBI. Okay. And, and other critics said the same things like, oh, well, therefore it's not legit. Okay. Yeah. Let's, what is Gabe Valdez? Uh, that, yeah. He, he's got to be more familiar with radar and speeders than he is with, with cat mutilations yeah. and toxology reports and things like that. So whatever, we'll just let that go. Okay. Valdez, though, felt the perpetrators had simply moved their operations elsewhere in the Western U.S. and North America during the time that Kenneth Rommel was down there. He was down there for several months, mostly yeah. in New Mexico, also Colorado, and the, the catamulations quickly waned. Yeah. And again, he gives an answer in 1979 that's very much natural, not unnatural. So Valdez says, oh, they just, you know, they knew he was there, apparently, <laughs> I guess. So they went and did some things elsewhere. In fact, he cited that there's a rash of incidents in Western Canada during this period. I guess that's implying, okay, they moved up to Western Canada to avoid Rommel. Sure. <laughs> I don't what know. is the motive uh, we'll, we'll of get to doing motives. this? If we'll it's get... a if it's an organized yeah. endeavor, what are they black market <laughs> oh, for the, certain cow parts? Uh, I mean, know, I've never heard that one. I, I like it. Well, remember in part two to throw that one in there. But there are some. There are several motives, at least asserted. How realistic they are, you be the judge. Okay. So Valdez concluded, or at least he, he very clearly implied that there was something that unnatural amiss in New Mexico at this time that he said, no, he disagreed with, with, with Rommel and said, no, this is not a natural causes. These are unnatural causes. He's, I, he, he cited the weird chemistry, the lack of blood and track, the seemingly surgical cuts. Do they is, have he, any actual experts he, examined? He's, remember, he's describing essentially the same set of anomalies that were described in Kansas right, and Nebraska right, right. in 1974. So... The feds and most expert local authorities agreed with Rommel's reports and disagreed with Valdez's okay. reports and implications. But Valdez and most of the ranchers were not buying it, and they continued to believe in these that these catamutilations were unnatural. And again, like in, in Nebraska and South Dakota, they just kind of waned. The reported instances of mutilation just kind of went away. Okay. This seeming second explanation and this kind of expert brush off and, 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 you know, authorities, federal authorities say, now there's nothing to see here. That didn't stop not just Gabe Valdez and local ranchers. It didn't stop someone named Linda Moulton Howe. She became pretty famous within the, especially the UFO world because of this catamutilation oh, event in uh, okay. the late 70s. She was a former Miss America contestant in 1963. <laughs> she had been Miss Idaho oh. in 63 and competed in Miss America. Good for her. In the meantime, she'd become a TV news journalist, and she focused on environmental stories. In the 70s, environmentalism was a big, big thing, so yep. she focused on that. She had most recently been working in Denver, Colorado, when she made a documentary called, quote, Strange Harvest, 
and it was on television. I think it was on television like in Denver, just locally. Yeah. I don't know if she still worked for that news. I, I think what happened, whatever her station was, her local station that she was a news person for, aired this documentary right. that she produced. Okay. She, I mean, she produced, produced it privately. She was firmly in the extraterrestrial camp without any question whatsoever. And this documentary, Strange Harvest, won a local Emmy the next year. So now when you look up it online, look, go look up Strange Harvest online. Yeah. Everything you read will say the same thing. Emmy award-winning film, quote right. unquote. What they're not saying is that local Emmy right. award-winning film and local Emmys are about as impressive as Grammys. So just calm down. They're dime a dozen. In the documentary, though, how makes the argument that catamutilations were the work of aliens and they're here to experiment on our livestock and find out more about our world. These are the same aliens that were abducting people and, and doing things to them, by right. the way. How would become a major UFO advocate and a speaker. She did it for the rest of her life. This yeah. became kind of her business. She expanded on her theories. She would tie aliens to the government. And, you know, the whole general mm -hmm. constellation of alien UFO conspiracy theories. She was a big believer and she promoted those. And like a lot of those folks, her sources were always pretty nebulous. She would always cite this, that she had some high up government source, almost like a, like a deep throat, and would, would show her evidence and show her documents and things like that. Yeah. That proved, you know, the government knew all about these alien conspiracies, but obviously she couldn't show those, but she had seen right. them in yeah. person with this, I'm assuming, in a parking structure. Yeah. How would appear on the infamous radio show Coast to Coast AM for 28 years. Years, wow. the last twenty of years of her active life, she was on coast to coast all the time. She at, at some point, I think for years and years and years, she was basically a monthly guest. Wow! It's like here's her, you know, every month here's Linda Moton Howe to talk about something UFO related. Was she writing books? And, yes. Okay. Speaking a ton. She, you know, she was a very popular speaker at these UFO yeah. conventions and things like okay. that. On that show on on coast to coast, for instance, she claimed that pictures of crop circles show some unexplained energy that she called, quote, visible light phenomena. Okay. And I'm I'm pretty sure that's just light, Linda. <laughs> but if you dress it up, you can make anything sound mysterious, and mm -hmm. that's what she did. So you can see she, she expanded beyond UFOs as yeah. well. She's yeah. doing crop circles, although I'm sure she crop circles were, were UFO cause anyway. We digress, but Strange Harvest was kind of the last spasm of the catamutilation run of the 70s into the early 80s. Some media sources report that during that period, over 10 thousand cases occurred it's a huge number a very unlikely number yeah that's i mean is pretty much nonsensical but regardless there were lots and lots of of these instances reported which would mean that whatever was happening and whoever was doing it it was incredibly prolific and they're out mutilating cows almost every day for several years across a huge swath of a, a huge country that's it's it's something that we should be concerned with i think if this is a real thing so <laughs> so as as i kind of we, we talked about early on there's been some more recent ones catalytic mutilations they never really stopped they just kind of fade in and fade out and right now and right now is maybe a blip of a fade in we'll see if it, if it gets any traction so far it seems like it's getting a little bit but not that much but they, but they, there's always, I mean, they, they go back all through the, the 2010s. There has wow. been catamutilation yeah. stories. They just kind of pop up and go away now and again. We the, don't, we don't have that many slow news days anymore. Yeah, maybe so maybe so. that's got something to do with it. That could, that could, although yes, maybe. What exactly is behind this bloodless 
toothy grin of all those lipless, ballless cows that we find dead on the prairie. That sounded a little insensitive there. Ah, but it's true. Let's talk theories then. <laughs> so we're going to end this episode with a couple of the some of the theories. We're going to start part two with the best theories okay. and then move on to an examination of what may have actually happened. Remember the thing from the, the Nebraska I do. mutilations I spoke about not that long ago? Yep. That's an animal, isn't it? It certainly seems like an animal, even if it's a little bit weird. It vanishes. Yeah. And even if the supposed witnesses could not identify what it was, it sounds like an animal. So could these cat mutilations be caused by some kind of unknown animal? Maybe even a cryptid. That yeah. is certainly a theory that has been thrown out there. Yep. The thing itself was was pretty big. Too big to be what I'm going to suggest has been mostly thrown out there as a potential animal answer. But the more recent mutilation cases, the animal that's most often cited is the dreaded chupacabra. Chupacabra, which is not is not that big. Yeah. It's far from his Puerto Rican home if it is chupacabra. But yeah. hey, chupacabras are known to like blood. Yeah. It means goat sucker. So why wouldn't it suck a cow dry as easily as a goat? I think it would. Uh, no reason I can think of. It probably could, at least anyway. They're they're badasses. They're pretty feisty, you have to admit. <laughs> I really wouldn't know. But. but can you imagine thousands, apparently, at least hundreds yeah. or dozens of chupacabras across 11 states and Canada? Well, yeah, I And don't know. no sign of a chupacabra or uh, even a chupacabra print. print. Are chupacabras really that crafty? I don't know. They seem to just more, mostly want to suck goats and yeah. things like that so i'm not sure but you know who is that crafty no satanic cults sure very crafty at the time of the nebraska south dakota event so 74 what was going on in 74 in in, in the media especially in in film lots and lots of satan stuff or had been the last few years. Rosemary's Baby in the late, in 60, what, eight or nine? Oh, yeah. The Exorcist in 73. True. Okay. Those two chilling, I, I guess, documentaries. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of people thought they were because all of a sudden, a lot of Americans saw Satanists all over the real world. So this caused a, a kind of an early satanic panic. There was oh. lots of reports of satanic cults out there in the 70s during this, this period. Yeah. You remember, I think it was a little bit later in the 70s, but the infamous Michelle Remembers a book. Oh, yeah. It, and there was other supposedly true stories like this that told about being involved or the victims of these satanic cults that they did all these terrible things. Those kind of books injected it into the real world. Because remember, they're supposedly true. It wasn't right. Rosemary's Baby or The Exorcist. These were things, no, it's true. They're really out there. I grew up in a satanic cult and they did all these awful things. Right. It turned out they were 100% bullshit. Yeah. But- People, Americans, were primed to believe that these freaks were capable of anything, and certainly mutilating cattle was something that they seemed capable of doing. Yeah. It seemed like their jam. You see how that can be a satanic cult? Like, just their oeuvre? I mean, maybe. <laughs> you want to know about motivations, don't you? So you're probably wondering why would the satanic cults do this thing? Yeah. That seems pretty obvious. What, how, what would you think they're-, they're Oh, to drink the blood or whatever. Sure. But I would also think, wouldn't they be ripping out the hearts? Isn't that something? You would they think would... that, but certainly the the but the at the time people said, oh yeah, no, it's they're collecting whatever blood, yeah. uh, maybe Entrails. some body parts. Yeah, who knows? Like um, they the, they got to recite their incantations yes. and whatever. Yes. Yeah. These and, and also 
Another motivation would be just to freak the fuck out of That's everybody. That's true, too. All the I mean, normies. These are, these are satanic cults. Uh-huh. They, they, a lot of things they do. They had their ceremonies with black robes and giant candles. They didn't buy all those giant black candles for nothing. You had true. to use yeah. them. So they did. These were blood ceremonies often, and apparently also cow lip, anus, and genital ceremonies as well, because those are the things they took. But also, why do we think the satanic cults would be good enough, you know, so efficient at what they're doing to not leave any trace? That's a great question. Why were they? There'd be tracks. There'd be blood. Did they fly? Did they levitate to drop the cattle and then levitate away so they didn't leave any tracks behind? We're going to have to say yes, I think. Otherwise, why? <gasps> Were satanic cults in... Did they have any black helicopters at the time? Was the, gov- was the government getting a bad rap because of the cults? Possibly. I mean, yeah, who knows? Well, let me uh, just challenge your skepticism, Carrie, because the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, I think, is something you've heard of. Yeah. Yes, the Mounties got involved in this. In 1980, the RCMP, which is kind of like that's kind of like Canada's National Police Force, almost like their FBI. It's right. a very legitimate modern law enforcement organization. They claimed that some kind of cult was causing a rash of Canadian cattle mutilations at the time. The Mounties actually said, we think it might be cults. Really? In 1980. Yeah. That's uh, that's shocking. Yes. A state law enforcement agency in Iowa made a similar assertion, saying that Satanists were behind some of the mutilations at that were happening in their state at this time. So you had two official bodies saying, yeah, no, we buy it. It could be satanic cults. Did satanic they cults. ever a- accuse any actual people and were arrest made and people imprisoned for, you know, 20, 30 years? Let's get to that. Okay. In just a minute. Satanic cults were basically the hot topic of the time and they were attached to almost anything in any place that they could be made to fit. The ATF and the FBI both did indeed, as you suspected, investigate the events as possibly being perpetrated by satanic cults. ATF? The Yeah, I know. Okay. The alcohol, tobacco, and fire yeah. uh, arms. That's a federal agency of the U.S. government. It's law enforcement agency, but also the FBI. They both investigated at different times. And they looked directly into the assertions that there was some kind of cult involvement, satanic or otherwise, and they found absolutely no evidence evidence whatsoever that this is true. Some state agencies, for instance, in Colorado and Oklahoma, did the same thing, looked into all their local cases, found no evidence whatsoever linking them to any kind of cult whatsoever. Okay. There was not really any smoke or fire behind the cultist angle then, but that didn't stop people from trying to continue to sell this idea anywhere right. they could. Along the way, there were also some mishaps. One rumor, for instance, of a cult involvement was traced back to some high school students who had started it as a joke. So you can you imagine, I don't oh. know if it's the FBI, the ATF, or state <laughs> agency knocking on their doors and yeah. saying, are you, talking, are you saying a cult? did these academy in your area and the yes i did i'm sorry sir it was just a joke we were just messing around please don't hurt us don't don't arrest us so one of these things was caused by you know mischievous high school students and then in another case this is in minnesota two convicts claimed they knew a quote hell oriented end quote (laughs) biker gang that was behind a lot of these mutilations and hey we will trade you this information so you can nab these satanic cult bad guys, these biker satanic cult yeah. bad guys. And in return, you need to reassign us to a less secure prison because otherwise these satanic biker convicts are going to kill us 
once we snitch on them. Yeah. So send us to this less secure and safer for them prison, and we will give you all you need to know about the satanic cult bikers. They were relocated to this less secure prison wow. in return for their information, and they promptly escaped and were oh. never seen again. <laughs> So that was a good con. Yeah, that was a great con. <laughs> okay, so the state of Minnesota went along with wow. that and agreed to that and let these two prisoners escape because they wanted information that it yeah. could be satanic bikers, hell oriented yeah. bikers. Could that be anybody but Hell's Angels? I'm, yeah. I'm confused by that. So, as we recall from the Nebraska South Dakota mutilation events of 1974, some people also thought it was another answer, which is. A psychotic on the loose. Or maybe an escaped asylum madman, perhaps a group of madmen, but not the cool ones from the early 1960s Madison Avenue, because that would be very, very different. Uh So yes, um, what do you think? Crazy. Psychotics? Madmen? Insane people? Nope. There's not much to say for this idea. The same national and state investigations that looked into cultists certainly would have found any evidence of yeah. psychotics in the same yeah. for the same way, or, or even a lone psycho. It's just ridiculous. Because again, yes. remember, certainly hundreds, probably thousands of reported incidents a- across 11 states and Canada, well, several provinces in Prairie Canada. You know, a few could be done by the Minnesota madman <laughs> and then, you know, Copycats? other... Yeah, exactly. Okay. Other okay. people, you know, read the newspapers or hear... Walter Cronkite talking about saying, oh my God, that's a good idea. So this was psychos doing this. It was an army of psychos. For sure. It would have to be. Not organized. Anyway, okay. So some mutilations from 74, 75 in Kansas, Nebraska, yeah. which would have been started by one madman, yeah. presumably, or a small group uh-huh. of madmen, then gave rise that would last year, to the present day. Yeah. Yeah. People deciding to mutilate cows in a very no. specific way. It's all very silly. Leaving no I evidence. Don't. Yeah. Also with the ability to hover, right? Yeah. So, so that's, that's the idea of psychotics. That is not the end of our theories, but that is the end of episode one. I imagine theories are endless. The two best and biggest and most dominant theories are coming up here. And okay. the cult actually, I, I, the satanic cult was a very popular theory yeah. at the time, 74, 75. But the next two we're going to talk about at the beginning of episode two were the dominant theories. And then we're going to talk about what likely actually occurred. And then we're going to talk about maybe some of the motivations for why, at least why it started back in 1974, 75. There's actually a very specific reason for this to have happened. So please join us next time for part two. I can hardly wait. Okay, I'm glad to hear that, of cattle mutilation. And I'm not going to Google it because I don't want to find out. Do not. I'm not going to. Okay, good. All right. Nobody else Google it either. Please don't. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thanks for listening.